Come on. Hello, dear listener. Before we get into today's show, quick ask. If you find value in today's show or you've gotten value out of a previous show, please leave us a quick five-star review. Be super grateful. Thanks a lot. Bill, are you ready? Absolutely. Looking forward to it. I love it. I'm ready. The people are ready. Let's go. Welcome to Money Savage Engage. This is George Grumbacher. Bill Coletti is the founder and CEO of Kith. He is a reputation management, a crisis communication, and professional development expert. I'm excited to have you on. Bill, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Uh, it's awesome. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Um, recently married in the spring of COVID. Nice. Um, and so April of this year, I got married um, uh, to the amazing Debbie Holly. I've got two great kids. One uh, just moved to North Carolina with her fiance, and then my youngest daughter is uh, just riding horses and playing volleyball and doing awesome stuff. Sailor, uh, love spending time on the water, and haven't been doing much of that recently because of the COVID shenanigans. Um, and live in Austin, Texas, and our firm is we're really focused on, you know, helping people be their best when when they find themselves at their worst. And so, from a crisis communications and a reputation management standpoint, we're really focused on um, making sure that we can manage and protect reputations for the long term. Well, I certainly appreciate that. So, Bill, it's it's been said that uh, that COVID and sheltering in place and all this has either strengthened relationships or really shown the cracks. So, if you don't mind me asking, you know, it's it's it, you're you're a newlywed. How is how has all that gone for you? Yeah, it's been fabulous. No COVID, <laughs> I I this it it sucks, and I wrote a blog post about it. We're all just over it. Was the title of the blog post, mm-hmm. and we are. And and for the people that we serve are typically our CEOs or or folks that do corporate communications for companies and that we're we're just this 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 pivot and shuck and jive and make it up and not really know what to say next is just really caused a great deal of fatigue. So I think personally my relationships are better. We've been intentional as a family and, a, and as a and as a business leader to just stay connected with people and just check in and say, hey, how you doing? What's going on? Both clients and people I just really like. But then I think I'm watching it first, you know, first chair on so many companies really struggling to figure out how to communicate. So many companies to figure out what to say. We all we all exited. COVID really quickly, whether you're, uh, we do a lot of work in higher ed or whether you're a retail corporation, you know, middle of March 23rd is kind of the inflection point. Most everybody got out pretty quickly. That seemed like a huge decision. There was this long mushy middle where relationships were really strained of what do we say? How do we say it? We don't really know what we're going to do. So that kind of defined April and May. And then some people started stretching their arms and figuring out June and now we're in July and we're like going backwards. And so I think that is really straining relationships. I'm super proud personally of how we've used this season, used technology as, as a family and among my family, extended family and friends. But gosh, it's tough to watch companies really struggle with uh, with getting it right moving yeah. forward. Yeah, for sure. Well, and, and what a, unfortunately, what a, 
you know what? I was going to say what a timely conversation, Bill, but it's probably been a timely conversation for, for four or five, six months now. And yeah. it's, it's really what your work is. And, um, and yeah, what a, what a difficult time for, for, for the, for the world, for the WHO, for China, for the United States, for, for companies, for, for governors, for mayors, for senators to actually, to, to, to try to message through COVID and now the George Floyd and the protests and Black Lives Matter, um, and I'm sure, I'm sure that we're going to look back on this and business schools are, are going to talk about how to handle this and who did it right, who did it wrong. Um, so I, I guess there's no reason to play Monday morning quarterback and look back, but maybe, maybe we could talk about how to, how to maybe get it right moving forward. Yeah. Well, so two things, I, I'll go back a little bit. So we've, sure. for years, we have articulated this basic formula around the key differentiator between good and great crisis response. Now, we didn't design this for a global pandemic and we didn't decide to define this for a for a an amazing reconsideration of race in America to huge events that you just described. We wrote it in the context of kind of what we thought were run of the mill <laughs> losing losing tens of millions of you know, data at a credit card company or so hard, you know, corporate malfeasance or, or me too movements like that. That's when we wrote it, this construct, but the key differentiator for us that we've observed for doing this 20 years or so now is the differentiator between good and great is speed companies that can fill the vacuum of information with accurate and honest assessment of how we're going to get back to normal. So that different, that distinction of speed the way you get speed is mission and values plus chain of command equals speed. And so what we've learned in, is in, in this COVID season is that we've really watched some companies struggle with chain of command. So are the decisions about come back, don't come back, shut down, take PPE, lay off employees, whatever the permutation is, cancel your annual conference or whatever the thing you needed to do. We have really watched people struggle. Are these operational decisions? Are they reputational and public perception decisions? Are they financial decisions? How's that decision? What are the haters going to say about us? So there's this moral, social, and financial. But chain of command, they don't know who to turn to to help make these decisions. And so we think that's a key thing. Mission and values, a lot of companies, particularly in you know, our reckoning with race in America, a lot of companies are fumbling around trying to figure out what to say because frankly, their mission and values never really spoke to this. And so you've got this recipe of, I don't know what to say based on my mission and values, hence that c component of the equation. I don't know who to ask in my organization to help make these decisions because it's so multivariant and that's making me really, really slow. And so therefore, people get to fill in the blanks or fill in the vacuum with my own perceptions around companies. So it's a big, big challenge. I think to your question about moving forward, companies that just figure out what they stand for, reinforce that consistently um, is the single most important thing that companies need to do. So we're dealing with a lot of companies that are, like I said, in higher ed that are trying to figure out, should we let, should we let kids back on campus? Yeah. Um, and those are some major decisions. And we're, you know, as you and I are talking now in, in the middle of the summer, July, those are, 
those are tough, tough calls um, on, on whether kids should come back on campus. Yeah, for sure. And has, has I'm sure there's not a consensus. I'm sure each university is yeah. probably different or, you know, it's elementary totally. schools are trying to figure out everything. Yeah, everybody is. And that's OK. And, and, and there, there should not be one size fits all because, you know, for, you know, every Starbucks or Nike or Patagonia, major companies with high reputational and high mission and values, they lead with those mission and values. There are plenty of other companies that just want to treat their employees right and just want to sell their widget and sell their stuff. And so that's, there is no one size fits all, but just be true to what, who you are. We're not going to get, um, we did a webinar series recently where we talked about a lot of this for our, some of our, some of our clients is that I've often said there, there is not going to be a global lifeguard that's going to blow the whistle and say, Hey, it's safe to get back in the water. Right. So I don't know if you've been in a community pool and you, everybody gets out of the water at the same time sure. and everybody then gets back in. We're not doing that. We don't, won't have that. So you have to be your own lifeguard and you have to figure out what's right for you. And so, yeah, those, those schools and corporations have to make a decision that's right for them based on that, you know, moral, social and financial considerations about what's right for you, your employees, your team, your customers, et cetera, et cetera. Is that, is that really, that's such a solid case study or, or I don't know what the right term is, but looking at schools because their stakeholders are obviously the students. So it's, we're talking about kids or we're, yeah. we're, we're talking about teachers. Um, and then we're talking about the families uh, who maybe can't afford to have their kids at home because both parents work. Uh, so, I mean, when we're talking, when we're having this conversation about what decisions to make, uh, moral, social, and then financial, that's, I, I really, I, I don't know, I, there's probably better examples, but that's got to be one of the best. No, it's a great example. And then to add to that, this weird political dynamic is that if you don't open up, you look like a wussy. Yeah. And I think the <laughs> dynamic, we've created this political tension that if I'm thoughtful and concerned about kids or my employees or my my employees' grandparents or parents or whatever, I'm a wuss and I'm not man enough to open up, which is just such a ridiculous paradigm yeah. to think about this. Now, I get it. People are – you know, if you're a restaurateur um, you know, or, or, or there are families that need their kids to go to school for lots of reasons. They need their kids to go to school. Um, it, it is a multi – very challenging situation with lots of different choices. Um, but the, but we're advising our clients is a figure out who matters most, who is the most important directly related to your mission and values and do what's best for them. And then everything else will fall into place and don't get caught up into all the chaff and the chatter on all these different dynamics that are out there, but figure out who you are, what you stand for, who matters most, and and ask really, really hard questions about who matters most, and then make your decisions focused on them. Everything else will fall into place. Yeah, and that's that. that that's all you can do, right? Because we don't no, know what is, science is going to come down the road tomorrow or six months from now. So you need to act based on the criteria you just laid out, and then all the, the just just the best information um, that's available, which is not an easy thing. Yeah, we need we need hyperbole for the hyperbole. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just so many yeah. superlatives that have been used as unprecedented, unheard of. I, we're just all tired of those words. So we need the, the simple thing to do is exactly the way you just said it. We don't know what's going to happen next. And we've been giving that advice a lot to our clients is that 
always be communicating. Let people know what's going on. Tell your story beginning, middle, and end, and always continue doing it. So we say ABC, always be communicating. Because, and it's okay to say the phrase, our current best judgment is, or based on what we know now, that's okay to say, because you don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow, to your point, and the folks that do typically turn out to be wrong more often than they're right. Yeah, yeah, it is, it is, it is tough to, uh, to look into the crystal ball, so I appreciate yeah. that. And always be communicating and, and letting people know, even if you don't have the answer, our current best judgment is, I think that that's really powerful language right there. Um, and yeah, so so that's really what we just talked about. It is we're, we're talking about you know COVID nineteen and, and all that. But then we've got um, we've we've got uh, George Floyd and Black Lives Matter and and the protests. And but we're also grappling with so many other issues um, as a culture and as a society. And if we've not, if if I've not as a company done the work on figuring out where we stand on all these things, then I'm going to have an impossible time communicating. Yeah. It's, it's, it's sad, but true. Um, and this one, I've, I've not quite seen a topic, this, this, this whole, let's give it Black Lives Matter, not as an organization, but as a label for this season mm-hmm. that we're in. Um, a lot of companies are struggling to, to, to figure out what to say, how to say it, when to say it. And, yeah. and, 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 and it's in this weird, I've never seen this cancel culture so dynamic where people are just, you know, you didn't say enough. Whatever you said wasn't enough. And right. I need more. I need to know more. And and typically, you know, if, if um, we're dealing with a social issue, so pick controversial, pick LBGTQ or abortion or sort of just major social issues of the day, it is a legitimate strategy for a really strong lumber company in Wisconsin not to have an opinion because they just sell lumber in Wisconsin Hmm. and that's not, they don't need to have a voice on this. This one is so pervasive and such at our core that people, employees, customers, critics are demanding that people, um, that companies, a lumber yard in Wisconsin have an opinion about this. And that's a big, big challenge because people aren't thinking about it. And so we're working with a lot of clients right now on getting that right. Just what are our thoughts about this? You know, what, where do we stand? It's guns is another issue that people are, you know, one of those high controversy issues um, is that this issue, this race issue of race and, the, and the, the reckoning that we're having is really requiring companies to say something and sitting on the sidelines is no longer a strategy. It used to be. It is no longer a strategy. Yeah. Dynamic times. All right, so maybe maybe we can. Well, what what what's 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 the next place for us to go to to, to be proactive? Is it just figuring out? Okay, we as a company new, do need to huddle up with the stakeholders and figure out, you know, where we where we really do stand on these issues and have a mechanism in place. Because again, it's like looking into the future. I don't know what the next thing is going to be, but here's how we're going to evaluate these things, and then. Once we have come up with with our company's um, official stance on it, here's how we're going to communicate. Yeah, it's a terrific question. So I so I draw the parallel of what are we going to do now? It's sort of the short version of your question. What are we going to do now? I draw that parallel to me. I'm roughly 50 years old, going to my cardiologist, 
And my cardiologist, I try to be a fit, I try to be pretty fit, but I go to my cardiologist and he says, Hey, you know, you're turning 50, a heart attack is possible. Or I could go to my cardiologist and say, man, you just had a heart attack. You need Mm -hmm. to do something about that. You need to transform. I think regardless of which one I am, that's how where corporations find themselves now is that we've got to do something different because a crisis either hit us or we know that a crisis is inevitable for us. So it's much like me at my cardiologist and either I had a heart attack or know that I could have a heart attack based on where I stand. Most doctors that I talk to, cardiologists, my doctor and three or four that I've also visited with, they will recommend a couple of different things unless it's really an acute situation that they need to respond in. But to your question, what do we do now? They'll, re- they'll reply with two things, diet and exercise. If you just improve your diet, eat a little bit better and get you know 20 minutes, three times a day or exercise, you'll become more resilient. And so it is with that in mind that we're working with our clients and working with others on this concept of reputation resilience. How do we take people from this state of a crisis, just like the heart attack or the awareness of a heart attack, and do two things? One is crisis readiness. That's mission and values, chain of command, blocking and tackling, making sure that the spokespeople are ready, making sure that we've got talking points, making sure that we've done crisis planning and that we're thinking about what could happen and that we're really exercising the muscles that are necessary. And then there's what we call risk acuity, really being aware of risk. While it would be very difficult to predict a global pandemic, most companies have the ability to manage and understand their risk because they've done it for insurance purposes or they've done it for um, any number of reasons. We all sort of look and think about risk. But if we can marry up those two disciplines, if we can marry up corporate communications, how we respond in a crisis with risk acuity or risk understanding, those two tracks equal the diet and exercise, which create reputational resilience. So the work we're doing now with our clients is exactly those two things. We do it a high road and a low road. Um, It's diet and exercise. It's crisis readiness as well as risk acuity or an understanding of the risks that can impact you and then doing something about it. If Bob is not a really good spokesperson, we've got to get some training. If our operations team has never talked to our communications team, unless there's a crisis, we got to fix that with understanding our risks a little bit better. And so we've got a lot of tools and tactics and tips that we're providing to our clients on how you do both that diet and exercise to create that new resilient state for companies. Nice. I love it. Well, Bill, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? Yeah, it's a great stuff. We, um, you know, One of the simplest things is that we talk a lot about models and frameworks. Regardless of the size of your company, and even if you're a solopreneur, pull out the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, USA Today, it doesn't really matter. Pull out a major paper and say, what if that had happened to us? Or what if that had been me? And ask yourselves or your team, that exact question, what if? How would we respond? Would we be prepared? Could we get in touch with our customers? Could we communicate with those that matter most to us? So the one big tip is pull open the paper, weekly, monthly, quarterly, annually, whenever you do your staff meetings or what have you, when you've got your team together and said, as the leader, if that happened to us, what would we do and how would we respond? It's a simple, elegant, form of crisis simulation, but it'll be very illuminating about what do we stand for as a company? 
what is our capacity to respond, and then also chain of command. Is that who actually really speaks to us? We had a client do this, small company. Um, the relatively junior person was in the staff meeting. The CEO pulled it out, and this was about a data breach. And someone just asked a very simple question. Well, do we have insurance for that? And it's a super silly question, and it, but they were like, uh, I don't know. Well, who do we ask? I don't know. I assume we have insurance for that. So just that learning about just that incident, really, really valuable. And and the insight, the insight around insurance is not the point. The point is, if you ask yourselves these what ifs, that's the one big tip that companies can think about. Well, that is great stuff. That definitely gets, come on. Come on. Bill, thank you so much for coming on the show. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? How can they engage with Kith? That's uh, awesome, George. Thank you very much. Um, our company corporate website is kith.co. We try to put everything that we've got out there. You can get a hold of me there. Um, I'm really active on LinkedIn. I try to publish publish something at least once a week, and I'm just Bill Coletti, C-O-L-E-T-T-I. Uh, and then we're also pretty active on Twitter. So uh, the corporate website's the easiest and best place to track us down. Perfect. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Bill your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to kith.co. It's K-I-T-H dot C-O. Follow Bill on LinkedIn, and you can also find them on Twitter as well. Thanks again, Bill. Excellent, George. Thank you for what you do. I really appreciate the time together. That's my pleasure. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. Spending too much time on social? Is your daily screen time over two hours? Are you a little bit overweight? Not saving enough money? Any or all of these are familiar. Strive could be for you. The Strive two-week online boot camp will help you to detox your mind, body, and money, getting you on your way to a happier, healthier, wealthier, and more confident life. Go to strivedetox.com, S-T-R-I-V-E-D-E-T-O-X.com, and get your mind, body, and money right.